Band of Christian Brothers. Hello and welcome to the Band of Christian Brothers men's program, where men are emboldened to grow in faith and virtue, ultimately for you to become the man God is calling you to be. I am your host, David Gilbert, and today we'll be talking about men's role in the family, our duty to protect and defend our family from physical and spiritual harm, rightly ordering our lives in terms of our work and career versus our vocation, which is our wife, and the need to sanctify our life and home. You can find Band of Christian Brothers online at bandofchristianbrothers.com or subscribe or download to our podcast uh, from iTunes or Google Play. You can follow us on Facebook or you can find me on Twitter at Gilbert Speaker. And if you have any questions or uh, topic suggestions, uh, please go to our website or contact us through social media and uh, we might uh, discuss it in future episodes. All right, so let's get into today's topic of our role as men in our family. Now, I'm just going to cut to the chase. Men, you are the head of your household. Now, that's not the most politically correct statement to make today, but it's true. Not because some man said it or a patriarchal system meant to suppress women thought it was a good idea. No, it's because God has ordered it to be that way. In Genesis 3.16, it says, And thou shalt be under thy husband's power, and he shall have dominion over thee. Now, in the New Testament, it's revealed more fully. In 1 Corinthians 11, it says, The head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. So after hearing this, you might be asking yourself, well, what does that look like? Well, if Christ is the head of you, then you must be subject to him, seeking the will of Christ instead of your own. And what is the will of Christ for you in the context of the family? Well, in Ephesians 5, it says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Even so, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. So as heads of our families, we are called to love our wives as Christ loved the church. How? By laying down our lives for the salvation of our wives. Men, are you willing to die for your wife every day? Many of us would say yes, we would, but in reality it's harder. It's harder because we men, we like to be the brave heart, the man who takes the bullet for his woman. But these big heroic acts are easy, and they seldom occur. What is harder are those small daily deaths, the denying of our own wants for our wives. You might be saying, but, but what, are my, what about my needs and wants? Well, first of all, Christ never sought his will, but only that of the Father's will. Christ never worried about his life. He worried about ours, and that is why he died for us. Second, if this has you worried, don't be. Just before the husbands love your wives quote that I just gave you, it says, be subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. So if you're serving your wife and she is serving you both out of reverence for Christ, then all is good. Yet this brings me up to another important point. 
and this is for you single men out there. It, it's very important to find a virtuous and religious wife. I know today it's difficult to find someone who is virtuous and has faith. However, there are many out there and good ones at that. Uh, anyone out there who uh, is looking, we're, we're always looking for volunteers at our events. And uh, many of our volunteers are young single women. And they simply cannot find a good Catholic husband. So you men, those women are out there. You just have to look. But the problem is that we don't focus enough on the interior as we do on the exterior as a society in general. You know, however, a virtuous wife is going to make you happier and save more headaches than someone who is just beautiful. Because marriage is hard enough. And our mission to get our wives into heaven by dying to ourselves so that she may be spotless when she meets Christ, is a tall order. But, if you did not choose wisely in a wife, then you have an even bigger task ahead because we are all called to give 100% into our marriage, not 50. You hear a lot about how a marriage is 50-50, but that is misleading. I understand what people are trying to get at, which is that you know we're a team and we're to work together. However, what happens is, when one person of that team doesn't pull their weight then they'll get this sense of resentment or bitterness because the other thinks they are not upholding their side of the bargain. But that is why we are called to die for our wives. Christ always gave 100%, regardless how we as a church behave or misbehave. Christ gave his 100% on to Calvary and died for us, despite the disciples running away, despite him knowing that we would keep sinning, despite how we few would be saved. He gave his 100%, and we are called to do the same. So now that we know that we need to die to our spouse and give 100% to our marriage, I would like to focus on three primary roles of the husband. Those three roles are to lead, to protect, and to provide. So the role of leadership. Scripture makes it very clear that a husband must be a leader of his home, and have a healthy control on his life. So we just dealt with the scripture passages in terms of, you know, being the leader of his home. Now we're going to deal with the the control on his life. So in 1 Timothy 3, the passage deals with the qualities and characteristics of what is required in being a leader in the church, which we are also called to since our homes are the domestic church and you are the head of, of that domestic church. So the qualities and characteristics of what is required in being a leader, because I'm not going to um, read the whole scripture, but if you want, it's 1 Timothy 3. But the main characteristics are be above reproach, temperate, sensu- sensible, dignified, hospitable, an apt teacher, no drunkard, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, and no lover of money. He must manage his own household well keeping his children submissive and respectful in every way, must be humble and be well thought of by outsiders. A lot of these qualities and characteristics seem reasonable and sensible. However, how many of us take the time to work on these characteristics? Some of, some of these you might already have mastered, or it's just built into your nature or personality that you don't have to stop and think about it. But what about the others that you do might need to work on? So for example... No lover of money. Does your work or the pursuit of material goods or trips drive you? Being temperate. Do you moderate what you consume in food, entertainment, or other pleasures? 
Are we able to say no to those things? Being well thought of by outsiders. Now, (laughs) we are not to worry about what others think of us for vanity's or pride's sake. However, what kind of impression or message are you sending to others based on your body language, actions, or deeds? Do they speak well of you and your character or not? Another way um, I guess you could think about this is when you die, what will people say about you or what will they remember you by? So if you don't like what you think they would remember you by or say about you at your funeral, then maybe it's time to start working your way backwards uh, from what you do want them to say and work on those characteristics. Now, a big thing is, and I want to camp on this a little bit, is the one point about he must manage his own household well. This is a big one. And we men need to step up. Now, I'm speaking in general here, but based on television and movies, you can clearly see in society that they do not view men as good managers of their household. You know, often when you look at, uh, you know, Family Guy, The Simpsons, everybody loves Raymond. You know, it's the wife that manages the household and the husband is either absent or is treated like one of the kids. How many times are we men leaders in our workplaces and our community, but when it comes to our home, we abdicate the role and let our wives and kids manage the household? We need to step up. Society is merely holding up a mirror to us. At least that's what I hope, instead of a more sinister motive of degrading or replacing the father. But I'm sure it's a bit of both. But what messages are you sending? So, dads, you come home from work. You know, do you just sit on the couch, crack open a beer? Or are you playing with the kids or doing some kind of household work? Because that's the impression. Yes, you're working hard at work, but your kids don't see you working hard at work. They see you at home, and if they just see you as a pleasure seeker, then that's what they're going to think being a dad is. And that's why we're in this situation now where we have many TV shows which portrays the husband as just a a self-pleasure-seeking person. So men, we need to be conscious of that when we come home. I know you're tired. I know you've been doing a lot of work, but it's very important. What kind of message are you sending to your children when you come home? So anyways, sorry about that, but I really think that's an important point and a point that we don't necessarily think about. Now, managing your household doesn't mean that others have no say. Managing or leading your household is different from dictating. So the other extreme and the more common one I believe is that men are abdicating their role as leader of their household. You see the the wife, you know, is taking care of it, so yeah, I'll just sit back or, you know, my wife will not submit. So I'm just going to avoid the confrontation and I'll just abdicate my role to save myself some grief and headaches. But we need to be aware of this. Leadership simply means influence. Therefore, a Christian husband should influence his family. Husbands are not dictators. They should not demand. They should not rule over their wives. Instead, husbands should influence their wives and families in accordance with church teaching. They should exemplify with their words and actions attributes that bring glory to God and value their spouse and family. The fruit of a good Christian husband is a strong, confident, spiritually mature wife and family. So I would encourage you to reflect, do we have those characteristics of being a leader? You know, being above reproach, temperate, sensible, managing his own household well, being well thought of by others, etc. If not, work on them. If you have a good wife, she will support you in your role. 
She will encourage you and not take over. So, for example, being a spiritual leader sometimes, uh, for me, uh, in the morning when I'm often often in a rush to start work or, you know, I'm in between work and I, I just quickly come in the house for a second, my wife, Teresa, God bless her, would in a playful way remind me to bless her and my kids for the day. Because we, we have this uh, morning uh, ritual, I guess you could say, where I bless the whole family individually uh, for the day. We we started off blessing each other just at night, but I just thought, wow, like what a blessing it would be if we all had blessings from each other uh, throughout to carry us throughout the day. So that was one of them. Also, too, if I am not being temperate and I go for some chips or for a snack, she'll ask, are you supposed to have those? And these are little things that go a long way in helping you step up and be the leader of your home. And if your wife is on board, then it's a lot easier, like I was just mentioning, right? That being said, no matter if you have support from your wife or none at all, we cannot rely just on ourselves. This is why we always have to be praying and relying on the grace of God instead of ourselves. We need to focus on Christ's strength and not our own weaknesses. It says, ask and you shall receive. Knock and the door will open. Start doing it. You know, one idea to help with the atmosphere of your home, which I believe will also help in managing your household, uh, is an acronym for family that Father Larry Richards gave. So I'm going to quickly go through this with you. F, faith and forgiveness. Remember, Forgiveness is the act of the will, not a feeling. As for faith, Father Larry Richards says, as parents, we need to remember our primary goal is to get our children to heaven. And I would like to add too, as husbands, our primary goal is to get our wives to heaven. A, affirmation. We need to build up one another, not tear each other apart. M, make memories. Don't underestimate the power of family meals. Find ways to be together as a family, even if it's just once a day or a couple times a week. There is great power in this ritual. I, intimacy, or, and this is Father Larry Richards, into me see. Into me see. We need to truly listen to one another, to see in each other's hearts. Anger, Father Rich, Larry Richards reminds us, is often a symptom of pain and hurt. So, into me see. Love. It's all about love. Only love. That's why we're here. To learn how to love. It starts with loving our family. And lastly, why? You. Forget about me. I love you. As we disappear, Christ becomes more prominent. The more we give away, the more we're bound to receive. Wow, let me repeat that. The more we give away, the more we're bound to receive. And I think on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about another role of husband. Okay, and we're back. And we just finished the role as husbands as a leader of their household. And now we're going to move on to another role, which is provider. When Adam fell, God told us that we must now work in the sweat of your face, you shall eat the bread until you return to the ground. And that's Genesis 3.19. However, for many of us men, we wrap our identity in our work rather than in our primary vocation and baptism, which is a husband and father, and above all, a follower of Jesus Christ. So men, we need to realize that the report card of respect 
comes not from the size of our paychecks or the job titles that we hold, but the level of radiance from the woman we claim to be a priority in our lives. She is the symbol of your success. She is the life, your life's greatest achievement. She should be the jewel in your crown. St. Paul tells us what we husbands must do. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. What a world we would be in if we men loved our wives as Christ loved the church. Again, marriage is a challenge, and there's a cost involved. Maybe it's a a dream that cannot be pursued, or a career advancement that cannot be taken, or a lifestyle that cannot be followed. This is giving yourself up for your wife. This is dying to yourself for your wife, as we talked about earlier. The bottom line is, your work should never compromise your marriage. But the question I have for you is, does your wife feel loved, valued, and appreciated? Are you fulfilling the role God called you to play as head of your family? Does she feel led in the areas that she and God expects you to be responsible for? So before you take on that special project at work or, you know, put in extra overtime so you could have the latest goods, check if that time might be better spent investing into the woman you made a covenant with years ago. There's, don't get me wrong, though. There's nothing wrong with succeeding and advancing in your career. Just never at the cost of someone you vowed to die for. On the other end, if you're not providing for your family and your wife, uh, and your wife feels like she needs to work, then it's time to gird your loins and pull up your bootstraps and hustle. I'm sorry, but the corporate world is not set up for women. It harms them because the environment forces them to reject their maternity. That is why many women never have kids or delay as long as possible so they can be at a certain level in their career before they have kids. But it also takes time away from their home and children. Where now children are being raised by strangers in daycares uh, in a room with 20 or 30 kids, they're not getting the quality of time or development as they should. Not to mention all the other issues that come up in the horror stories you hear about what goes on at daycare. But the bottom line is, it's not fair to your wife and your kids. The third role uh, that husbands have is one of protector. As protectors, we have a duty to protect and defend our family, both from physical and spiritual harm. You providing for your family is an example of protecting your family from poverty and living in an unsafe neighborhood. Although it's also important to be in good physical shape so that you can defend your family from any physical harm or danger. So imagine you had to carry your child or wife from a burning building, but you couldn't because you were too weak or tired to take them out. Or you're having a nice family walk outside and you realize there's a shady character, you know, up ahead in this area and he's watching you as you guys enjoy yourselves walking. You know, these are things we need to be think about. And also the negative impact if we don't do anything about it, especially our health. As protectors of our families, we also need to be aware of what we're allowing into our homes. So, for example, what kinds of uh, TV shows, advertisements are we watching? Are we protecting the dignity of our wives and daughters by, you know, what they wear? What kind of music do you listen to in your home or in the car, right? 
We must be conscious of what we allow in our homes. Our homes should be places where we are spiritually rejuvenated and recharged in order to go back out and bring Christ into the world, almost like little monasteries. So we need to be aware of also this spiritual reality that's going on before us. So I'm not sure how many of you are aware of this, but this year, 2017, for those who are listening to this on recording, On May 13th is the 100th anniversary of the apparitions of Our Lady of Fatima. Now, in Our Lady's message, she told three shepherd children about the war going on for souls between God and the devil. And in that message, Our Lady told the children that the final battle will be on the family. The family. Men, you are the head of your family. What are you doing? What measures are you taking to protect your wife, your children, your marriage from the devil and his legions? Are you fasting and praying for yourself, your wife, and for your kids' salvation? Are you blessing your family in the morning and when they go to bed? Do you pray with your wife and include your family in prayers, reading the gospel or stories on the lives of the saints? War is not fun to think about, but it's not supposed to be fun, especially not this kind of war. It is a war where the casualties are lost in the fires of hell. It is a war that cannot be escaped. It conscripts every human being on the planet into combat, on one side or the other, whether you like it or not. It is a war that we must train our children to fight. A war that can, could claim their souls too if we do not train them well. A war that will not be over until the end of the world. A war that God will ultimately win, but many human beings, maybe even including you and I, will lose if we die fighting for the wrong side. So what side are you fighting for? These are terrifying thoughts. We cannot make the reality of our situation disappear any more than we could have wished away World War II by looking the other way or trying to find common ground with the Nazis while they drop bombs on London. We can think all the nice thoughts we want, but denial of reality never saves anyone when the bombs start falling. And it won't save us from hell. It's more likely to send us there. If you don't believe me, then don't take my word for it. God is warning us and telling us in his word, his love letter to us, his manual for life, his battle guide. I'm talking about the Bible. In Ephesians 6.12, it says, For our wrestling is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and power, against the rulers of the world of this darkness, against the spirits of wickedness in high places. And in St. Paul's second letter to the Corinthians in 10.4, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to God, unto the pulling down of fortifications and destroying councils. In the first epistle of Peter 5.8, it says, Be sober and watch, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, goeth about seeking whom he may devour. Now, I don't know about you, but this is hard to accept, and I don't find any of it particularly comforting. I have three kids and God willing more to come. And I feel immense angst when I think about my innocent children being thrust into this spiritual battle. But then I remember that they are already in the midst of it. The enemy is already making advances against them. I don't have time to sit around wishing it wasn't so. They are here. I am here. We are all here. And that is all there is to it. Ding, 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 those gloves are coming off. And to ignore this reality, this is spiritual suicide for you and your family. If you don't pick a side, you've already picked a side. 
Christ says, you're either for us or against us. And this battle conscripts everyone, regardless if they want to or not. So if you're suffering from a habitual sin, you need to stop it. Go to confession. Make a firm resolve to avoid the near occasion of sin. You see, you cannot give what you do not have. And if you're allowing the devil into your home through your habitual sins or other you know, forms of media or entertainment that you enjoy, how are you going to get Satan out? Fixing our lives, our families, and our homes start with us. Us. We men. We first must change. We must first do battle with our sins and demons before we can then kick the butts of the demons and sins our wives and kids face. Anyways, that was, that was pretty intense. But men, it is vitally important. You need to remember, you are the head of your household. And with that comes tremendous responsibility. To much is given, much is required. And just by you being the head of your household, there is a lot on your plate. And you need to start taking it seriously if you haven't already. And if you are, God bless you. But it's always good to redouble our efforts, continue training, getting back into the fight. So that's it for today. But remember, you are the head of your household. As husbands and men, we are called to lead, protect, and provide, laying down our life for our wives so that she may be presented to Christ unblemished. Please follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Listen to us on bandofchristianbrothers.com, iTunes, or Google Play. And remember, iron sharpens iron. Become the man God created you to be. Signing off here today, God bless you. Bye-bye.